Pastor Xavier Reese and the importance of a good testimony. The past sinful recognition of Israel was contrary to God's holiness. Today is no different. The unbeliever sadly judges Jesus by those who call themselves Christians and who are carnal Christians. And so the non-believer says, why should I be a Christian? He steals from the company. He gets drunk. What's the difference between them and us? What a charge to the church today. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Have you ever forgotten the name of a colleague, an anniversary, or the birthday of a loved one? Well, some predicaments like that come with greater consequences than others. But today, Pastor Xavier explores what happens when it was necessary for God to jar Israel's memory about His holiness and position in their life. Here's Pastor Xavier to begin our Simple Truth study. Let's listen. Ezekiel chapter 36, verses 16 through 38. And the message is entitled, Israel Will Believe the Gospel. The prophet Ezekiel has revealed a future blessing over the mountains of Israel in which the land will be restored to abundance and the nations will no longer look at Israel as some foolish nations. Israel will not be under her tongue. This has been very clearly stated in chapter 36, verse 1 through 5. The contrast being the cursing on the mountains of Esau, Edom, and the blessings over the mountains of Israel. Now the prophet focuses on the restoration of the nation in view of the holiness of God from verse 16 to 38. The vision of the Valley of Dry Bones will follow to confirm and to illustrate the certain rebirth of the nation that will end up with their accepting Jesus Christ as their Messiah in chapter 37. The last thing Ezekiel will show us is chapter 38 and 39, which will reveal the attack of Russia by her confederacy of nations against the nation of Israel, at which time God will destroy five-sixths of that army. I am purposely going over this order in certain events every time I hit you in these chapters so that you understand it because it is so confused by so many people and there's so many weird teachings out there. So what we want to do is look at the restoration of the nation in view of the holiness of God here in verses 16 through 38. Let me read for us. Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, when the house of Israel dwells in their own land, they, uh, they defiled it by their own ways and deeds. To me, their way was like the uncleanness of a woman and her customary impurity. Therefore, I poured out my fury on them for the blood they had shed on the land and for their idols, which they had defiled it. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. I judged them according to their ways and their deeds. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name when they said of them, These are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of his land. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst. And the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of all countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle clean water on you, 
You shall be clean. I will clean you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the hearts of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people and I will be your God. I will deliver you from all your uncleanness. I will call for the grain to multiply it and bring no famine upon you. I will multiply the fruit of your trees and the increase of your fields so that you need never again bear the reproach of famine among the nations. Then you will remember your evil ways and your deeds and were not good. And you will loathe yourself in your own sight for your iniquities and your abominations. Not for your sakes do I do this says the Lord God. Let it be known to you. Be ashamed and confounded for your own ways, O house of Israel. Thus saith the Lord God. On the day that I cleanse you from all your iniquities, I will also enable you to dwell in the cities, and the ruins shall be rebuilt. The desolate land shall be tilled uh, instead of laying desolate in the sight of all who pass by. So they will say, this land that was desolate has become like the Garden of Eden in the waste Desolate and ruined cities are now fortified and inhabited. Then the nations which are left all around you shall know that I am the Lord who rebuilt the ruined places and planted what was desolate. I, the Lord, have spoken it, and I will do it. Thus said the Lord God, I will also let the house of Israel inquire of me to do this for them. I will increase their men like flocks. Like a flock offers a holy sacrifice, like the flock of Jerusalem on the feast days, so shall the ruined cities be filled with flocks of men. Then they shall know that I am the Lord. The restoration of the nation of Israel in view of the holiness of God is characterized by three things. And this is the theme, the holiness of God. Many people think that all these chapters teach the same thing. They're not doing good study. They do not teach the same thing. They hit the same kind of events through different perspectives for the emphasis of God. Here is the holiness of God. And here's the three things that the restoration of the nation in view of restoration is characterized by. First, verse 16 through 21, the past sinful recognition of Israel was contrary to God's holiness. Secondly, verse 22 through 32, the present and the future restoration of Israel will, be, will vindicate God's holiness. It will vindicate God's holiness. And then thirdly, in verse 33 to 38, the future reconciliation of Israel in the kingdom will be marked by holiness. And there's your three divisions, and the central thing and theme is the holiness of God. Let's begin with the past sinful recognition of Israel here in verses 16 to 21. Notice 16 and 17, the people of Israel were guilty of sin. The revelation was from heaven to the prophet. Once again, 16 and 17, the authority is divine. Moreover, the word of the Lord Yahweh came to me saying, the prophet's addressed once again by his title, son of man. He's human, he's frail, he's one of the people, never above the people, never separate from the people. This is one thing that many preachers and teachers forget after a while. They think they're above the people. Listen, I am one of you, one among you, and just like you. I am no different than you. Very, very important. Notice the revelation pertains to Israel's disobedience. Their sin had found them out. It says, when the house of Israel dwells in their own land, when they dwell in their own land, they defile it by their own ways and their own deeds. 
So the house of Israel identified three times in verse 17, 21, and 22. You can apply it to nobody else. This whole section 34 on down, it's Israel. Very, very clear. Notice their sin has separated them from Yahweh. To me, their way was like an uncleanness of a woman in her customary impurity, her time of her menstrual cycle. The picture is very vivid. A woman could not approach God. She was out of fellowship in Leviticus 15, 19 through 31, and many other portions that is given to us. The reason being is that God is holy, and this is the whole thrust behind it. Isaiah the prophet says it another way in Isaiah 64, 6. He says, our righteousness is as filthy rags. There's only one translation that translates that accurate from the Hebrew, and sadly, it's the Jehovah Witness Bible. Our righteousness is as a filthy menstrual garment. Same word. So next time you think you're hot or something good before God, you think about it. That's the best you have to offer. You know what people do with that? They throw it away. That's what they do. The prophets are very straightforward. They live in reality. Listen, the focus is the holiness of God. Everything compared to holiness is dark. It's dark. Their sin has separated them. All the idolatry and images that they had created. Remember the jealousy, the image of jealousy? In chapter 8, 9, 10, and 11, in the temple that he, God showed Ezekiel, and the glory of the Lord was leaving and finally left, we'll see it coming back in the millennial kingdom in chapter 40 to 48. But not until then, because there's no temple anymore. They had defamed the name of God. They had changed the image of God. Notice verses 18 and 19. The people of Israel were judged for their sins. Sin has to be judged. They were guilty. He judged them. In verse 18, Yahweh punished them for their sin against man and God. They had murdered people. Therefore, I poured out my fury, my wrath on them for the blood they had shed on the land, breaking the second table of the law, sin against man. Our nation is very violent. Do you realize that our major cities have many more men and women killed every day then we have had a total of war, and they do that every day here in our nation. Do you know we kill more babies every day than were killed in the two towers on 9-11, and we've been doing it every day since 1973 and continue to do so? Our nation is guilty of blood in the most heinous way. And if God judged Israel for it, do we think God's going to wink at it because we're Americans? I doubt it. To those who much is given, much is required. Notice they have perverted God's image for their idols, which they had defiled in, breaking the first table of the law, worshiping God and not making any image of it. Moses put it this way in Deuteronomy 30, 15 through 19. He says, see, I have set before you today life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God with, and to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments, his statutes, and his judgments, that you may live and multiply. And the Lord Yahweh your God will bless you on the land which you go to possess. But if your heart turns away from that that you do not hear and are drawn away and worship other gods and serve them, I announce to you today that you shall surely perish. You shall not prolong your days in the land which you cross over the Jordan to go and to possess it. 
You can look up Deuteronomy 28, 29, the blessings and cursings, and always include Leviticus 26 when it comes to the judgment of the law because the conditions are there. Leviticus 26 is key. Notice in verse 19, God drove them away from their land then. Yahweh was true to his word of the covenant. So I scattered them among the nations, and they were dispersed throughout the countries. He allowed the northern kingdom to be taken into captivity by Assyria in 722 BC, the 10 tribes of the north. You know that. He allowed the siege of Jerusalem three times for the final siege being the third for Babylon, 606, 596, 586 BC. No more temple. They went into seven-year captivity. Yahweh judged them justly. It says, I judge them according to their ways and their deeds, verse 19 at the end. His judgment is perfect. Nobody will ever get shortchanged. Nobody will be overpunished. Nobody will be underpunished. Nobody will be a victim when God judges. Notice the people of Israel profane the name of God, verse 20 and 21. Yahweh charges people with blemishing his name. The occasions are stated. When they came to the nations, plural, wherever they went, the sin is stated very clearly. They profane, listen to this, underline it, my holy name. The reference to his name involves who he is as a person. Name and person are synonymous. His character, his reputation, his honor, based on his holiness. He's the holy God of Israel. Notice Yahweh says how his name was profaned in verse 20 at the end. Through the Gentiles. When they said to them, in other words, they said to the Israelis, these are the people of the Lord Yahweh. Yet they were living among the Babylonians and others. And through the logical observation, what they saw, they said, and yet they have gone out of his land. So in other words, as they saw the Babylonians, saw the Israelis coming every siege, they concluded that God was not able to care for them. He was no different than any other local God, no different than their gods. In fact, they thought light of God, allowing his people to be treated as such, and that really he wasn't all-powerful. You see, they gave a bad representation of who God was because they didn't understand that God is holy, you understand? So the conclusion was wrong. And that happens often. People read us a lot louder than they hear us. Paul tells the Corinthians, you are an epistle heard and read of men. You're the only Bible some people are ever going to read. How you doing? Look at 21. Yahweh will defend the honor of his name, he says. Yahweh stands in sharp contrast to Israel's unholy life. But I had concern for my holy name. Ooh, underline that, my holy name. The word concern means to feel pity, compassion for his own name. He would care for it. God puts no trust in his saints, and the heavens are not pure in his eyes, Job 15, 15 says. He's the epitome of holiness. They thought Yahweh was unholy, but his name and his nature, his person, 
is the epitome of holiness. They were wrong. Notice there's also a sharp contrast here between the Gentiles' thought about Yahweh and his own thoughts about himself. God is never intimidated by what people think about him, but he's very concerned of what people think about him through us. And that he points out, and he's very serious about it. Israel was responsible, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations, plural, wherever they went. The culprit was his people. The place, among the Gentiles. Wow. You remember the event of Joshua and Achan? He took all the silver, the gold, and all that stuff. Listen to what uh, Joshua tells Achan in, in Joshua 7, 19-21. My son, I beg you, give glory to the Lord Yahweh Elohim of Israel and make confession to him. What did he say? Confession brings glory to God. An admission of your sin. He says, and tell me now what you have done. Do not hide it from me. And Achan answered Joshua and said, indeed, I have sinned against the Lord Yahweh, Elohim of Israel. And this is what I have done. When I saw among the spoils of the beautiful Babylonian garments 200 shekels of silver and a wedge of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. And there they are, hidden in the earth, in the midst of my tent, with the silver under it. Now, God knew that all along, but he wanted confession of it. You understand? Nothing escapes God. He, he sees everything, but he's always seeking confession. Every person is responsible for their own sin. You know that. If you've come to this church for any set amount of time, more than a week or two, you know that. <laughs> we don't tell you you're nice. We don't tell you you're good. We tell you you're good for nothing <laughs> except for sin. You're good at that, just like your pastor. By the evidence of creation, we are without excuse, Romans 1.20 says. We know there's a creator. By conscience that has been given to us by God in Romans 2.15, we're without excuse. We knew right and wrong when we were young, but we callous that conscience after repetitive disobedience. We have a free will to choose evil or good and to turn from it when we do evil. Joshua said in Joshua 24, 4, choose you this day who you're going to serve. If you're going to serve the gods of your father on the other side of the river, fine. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's a choice. It's a choice that you and I make. You can't blame your father, your mother, your school, nothing. We've looked at Ezekiel 18. He makes that very, very clear. The people were saying, my, my, our parents eating sour grapes and our teeth are on edge. He says, no way. The only way you can have teeth that are on edge is if you eat the grape. You're responsible. You have the choice whether you're going to be like your evil father or turn from his sin. It's a choice without excuse. The Lord Jesus must judge sin, as you know, even as Yahweh judged the sins of Israel. Today, it's no different. People, uh, as Christians, are compromising the word of God. And uh, they bring reproach to the name of Jesus Christ because they call themselves Christians. Uh, next time you ask somebody, you're going to ask them if they're a Christian, don't use the word Christian anymore. It's lost its meaning. I want you to ask them, hey, are you Christ-like? They'll think before they say yes. 
See, it's chic to be a Christian today. People who commit adultery call themselves Christians. People who are divorced and call themselves Christians. People who are sleeping with their boyfriend and girlfriend call themselves Christians. Everybody's a Christian today. Isn't that neat? 80% of America is Christian. Right. The unbeliever sadly judges Jesus by those who call themselves Christians and who are carnal Christians, who are compromising in their life. And so the non-believer says, why should I be a Christian? He's unfaithful to his wife. Why should I be a Christian? He steals from the company. Why should I be a Christian? He gets drunk. What's the difference between them and us? Wow. What a charge to the church today. What's happened to the gospel today? Nathan was sent to David, as you know, and he said, um, David, you have caused the enemies of God to blaspheme God because of your sin with Bathsheba, 2 Samuel 12, 14. And today, Christianity is a joke in America. The Lord Jesus is very concerned over his um, name today by the misrepresentation that goes on by, quote, quote, Christian community. Some people look at Christianity from the TV perspective. They think it's um, a circus. Others will conclude that Christians are money hungry. All they do is beg for money. Others look at Christianity another second and they think they're just social reformers. Because the Christian community is misrepresenting the name of Jesus. He allows some to reap what they sow, as Galatians 6, 7 through 8 says. And it comes back in a big bumper crop to them. He disciplines others by allowing sickness come to them and even takes their life, 1 Corinthians eleven thirty. Some of you are sick and some of you, God is taking your life. He's to be revered and honored by us. Listen to 1 Peter 3, 15 and 16. But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, in your hearts, not outwardly, and always be ready to give a defense for everyone who asks your reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear, having a good conscience that when they defame you as evildoers, when they accuse you as being evil, those who revolve your good conduct in Christ may be ashamed Prove them wrong by your lifestyle. Make sure that what they say about you is false. That's what Peter is saying. The past sinful recognition of Israel was contrary to God's holiness. Today is no different in the church. Notice secondly here, the present and the future restoration of Israel will vindicate God's holiness. 22 and 23, the general proclamation of restoration is given. In 22, the principal reason for the restoration of Israel might surprise you. Listen. The prophet was to reveal the conclusion of God in view of the guilt of profaning the name of God by divine authority. This is how it's stated. Therefore, conclusion says, say to the house of Israel, thus saith the Lord God. The name of God is the focus implying His holiness again. They're synonymous. Verse 20, 22, 23. The reason is stated, it might shock you, listen. 
I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. The primary goal of God is his name, not even the people of Israel. He is holy. You understand? Pastor Xavier Reese and the glory of God. Now, there's still much more to come next time, but if you can't tune in, you can always request your own copy of today's message. And the title to ask for is, Israel Will Believe the Gospel. It's available on CD for only $4. So once again, the title to ask for is, Israel Will Believe the Gospel. You can request your copy by writing, Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And please help us by including the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. How important is God's holiness? Find out more when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 